0: Still are under a parking. I want you to go back out on that track and hit the pace car. Hit the pace car? Hit the pace car. What for? Because you hit every other goddamn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. Go, go, go! go. <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I am your host, Gus Manti, and we got a big one this week. We got our first ever Canadian guest, Glenn McDonald with 54 Bust. We're going to be bringing to you that interview here shortly. Uh, Before I get any further, let me introduce the other hosts on here tonight. We're going to start with none other than Brian (laughs) Eckle. How
2: are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. This was an awesome interview we had with Glenn. I learned so much about Canadian waters and just piqued my excitement even more to get up there. Hopefully this coming summer. Can't wait to share that with you all. Um, Just ended up as we're sitting here losing my fantasy playoff matchup last night. Tough pill to swallow. Uh, Came down to the wire. Both teams scored about 150 points matchup for the ages shout out jb um and yeah so moving on to next year uh only up from here and uh max how was your first round fantasy matchup
1: uh well i had to buy so I did not have to play anybody <laughs> uh i was pulling for you last night though uh kind of watching how that game was unfolding i know you had it you had it there for a second felt like you you had a real yeah, chance so i had a chance <clears throat> hate hate that for you truly what do. uh brian what about the other league there did you forget to mention uh oh yeah so what <laughs> i put on you that i might yeah. have scored double what would you score like 70 and i think i scored it, 140 nah, or something I ain't like that talk
2: about that or nothing oh <laughs> I did, yeah that's I all right. yeah and give my guys a traditional locker room pep talk before that clearly because they did mm-hmm. not show up but yeah, uh you sat a few guys on that's off day. did i no, I'm just joking oh. around.
1: <laughs> that would have <laughs> been funny if you left points on
2: bench or something like that. I don't think you did. I think yeah, you gave it your last all. Ass beat. All right, yeah, so enough of my fantasy losses. Max, good to see you on here tonight. What's up with you?
1: Yeah, pleasure uh, pleasure to be on here tonight with you, fellas. Uh, not a whole lot going on for me, just gearing up for the holidays. Uh, looks like it's going to be a brown Christmas up in the Northwoods for us. Not sure how those ice conditions are gonna be, but looking forward to hopefully putting a hurting on some crappies and some bluegill doing our traditional uh Christmas fish fry. Try to find some safe ice and uh see how it goes. But yeah, weekend was good. Tough uh tough back-to-back losses for the pack. Hashtag fire Joe Barry. Other than that, mm-hmm. uh yeah, just looking to forge some time off here. Um, unfortunately with the pod. We'll probably touch on that a little bit on later on in the episode, but also get some good days off from work um, and uh, enjoy some time up in the North Woods. So, Gus, I think without further ado, uh, really excited for you guys to hear this one tonight. I uh, had a blast recording with Glenn; just a just an outstanding guy. So, uh, Gus, you want to fire up that interview? Yep, can do. All right, everybody, on the line here with us tonight, we have Glenn McDonald from 54Bus YouTube. Glenn, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing really good, guys. I really appreciate the invite. And I know we've been kind of chatting a little bit here. I just started following you guys not that long ago, and it was cool to get the invite to come on and always enjoy talking musky fishing. And even though it's the off season, it always seems to be the time of year that Guys kind of, they put the rods away and then they look for stuff like podcasts and that's exactly how I found you guys.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to chop up as much as we can about musky fishing, reminisce on the year maybe, uh, talk about some new things that we might be getting into next year. Yeah, I know that we messaged back and forth a little bit during the the late fall season, Glenn, and we were chatting up about trolling and and how you're saying that you're kind of new into the game of trolling I am as well. I know I'm probably going to end up asking some trolling questions because out of the the three of us from muskies on tap, I am the one that enjoys trolling more than the others as as some people already know. But uh, before we get too deep into anything like that, do you want to give a, a little background or just, just something for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better?
0: Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most people, probably know us from the 54 bus youtube channel and beyond that before we started the youtube channel i did a little bit of writing for muskie hunter magazine did a little bit of stuff for hook magazine up here in canada so that kind of got my name out there i guess or some people might recognize me from that kind of stuff and actually talking with greg thomas at muskie hunter about doing video stuff he's the one that kind of put the bug in my ear about do a lake specific video on all the lakes in Northwestern Ontario, which is where I live. So for the the listeners, we live on the North shores of Eagle Lake. So my wife runs a tackle shop here in town and we fish all the lakes. So all the lakes, you see all the guys that come up to Canada that want to fish in Northwestern Ontario, Lake of the Woods, Eagle, Cedar, you know, the big kind of lakes there, that's where I live. That's where I fish. So that's where most people would probably have heard, you know, of me and of 54 bust.
1: Right on. So <clears throat> curious about this. Before i just to start right here with the Canadian deal, because, you know, us three have never fished muskies in Canada. Seems like we're really missing out on quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about like lake specifics up there. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Northern Wisconsin. That's typically where we fish, but like, we've talked about it at length on our podcast, how, you know, when you go out into Northern Wisconsin, there's like a million different lake options you have, right? For you guys, like there's these select legendary bodies of water that are all kind of right in your backyard. So like, how are you making those decisions on any given weekend trip on like what bodies of water you're going to go out and explore,
0: you know, during that time? Uh, For us, there's a few that we fish more often than not. Living right on Eagle, I don't live on Eagle Lake, but I'm literally five minutes away from the main launch. I'm 10 minutes from Temple Bay Lodge, which is one of the most popular lodges. I fish out of there with the owner's son quite a bit. So yeah, we're five minutes from Eagle. I'm about 25 minutes from Cedar. We do a lot with all the camps on Cedar Lake. So we spend a ton of time on Cedar and then the other lakes lake of the woods is about an hour and a bit for us to go we don't fish lake of the woods very much only because we have so much basically right in our back door so between cedar eagle then we have indian lake chain canyon lake which is where we catch a lot of our tigers and then wabagoon's 20 minutes from me so there's there's like a multitude of lakes it's a lot like you guys talk about the north woods of wisconsin the only difference here is we can go to a lake where there's going to be almost no pressure where I hear those stories in Northern Wisconsin. And it's like, Oh, there's a good bite on Lake X. You go there and there's a hundred boats here. A busy day on Cedar is maybe, maybe 20 boats total on Cedar on a busy, you know, midsummer week of, of tourism Eagle Lake, there's going to be more, but Eagle Lake is just, it's massive by massive standards. So even when it's busy, there's lots of, lots of room to fish. Yeah. How big is Cedar? Uh, I don't know. We don't really go by the acre size like you guys do on a map. It's probably a third of the size of a lake like Eagle and the Cedar system's really cool. Cause it breaks down into three, kind of separate lakes there's the west arm which is a lot clearer and deeper even though it doesn't have trout in it it would be more like a trout lake and then the center part of cedar is more of a green stained water and it's still deep but there's a lot of weeds in it and then the west arm rosie can you not chew your toy right here while I'm on the podcast, <laughs> my chocolate lab wants to be in the podcast. So <laughs> more than the, well center, <laughs> the center part of Cedar is that green stain and a lot of weeds in it. And then when you go to the east side, where like guys like Serik like to fish, it's more of that classic dirty stained water. So that there's three options right there. So if we have, for example, a really bad south wind eagle or cedar lake is a great lake for us to go to because most of the launches we can get in with a bad south wind and you can get out of a lot of the wind with a south wind if it's north or west it's a little bit different so those are the reasons why we kind of change lakes and then taking cedar one step further Peralt lake is joined by it through a, a short river system and it's a huge lake big open basin it's one that guys look at on a map and they get intimidated by because it doesn't look like it has a lot of structure, but like typical shield lakes, you got to spend a little bit of time to find the structure. And that actually has turned into one of our favorite lakes.
1: Yeah. I, I think I've heard, Oh, uh, I think it was your videos actually, maybe podcast too. You've talked about, do you auto chart? I think you said, once? yeah,
0: yeah. We talked about that. I think on the backlash podcast and, oh. Because a lot of the lakes up here are not mapped very well, especially by the standards you guys would be used to, you know, a lot of the the U.S. lakes. So when guys come up here, even a lake like Eagle Lake, as popular as it is, the mapping absolutely sucks. It doesn't matter if you have Navionics or Lake Master. They both show things different and they both miss huge chunks of the lake and, and most of the rocks aren't marked. So everybody that comes up here, devotes the time to auto chart. So for us, I've been running birds now for seven, eight years. We have a huge chunk of Eagle Lake already mapped out. And then all the other lakes we talk about, I pretty much have them all mapped out.
1: Yeah. I I mean, there's definitely great mapping here in Northern Wisconsin, but there's definitely some really, really terrible mapping. Some lakes don't have any at all actually. And I run auto chart as well. And I even run auto chart on you know, the lakes that have fantastic mapping. And I found little, little nooks that just kind of aren't there. And, uh, but, uh, I kind of want to ask about, you're talking about Cedar and all those different, uh, clarities and I was assuming they have like different depths and all that. Do you find in a day that some can be hot or not? Cause that's something that we, we either strive for or sometimes struggle with looking for up here it's like is there going to be a hot bite on a clear lake a green lake a brown stained lake tannic water you know this and that like do you do you find that on a day-to-day basis up there
0: to some degree i think a lot of it especially for americans that come up here they search out the water that they're familiar fishing so a lot of guys that come to Cedar, they like the stained water, or they're a little bit turned off by the clear water, especially the get the Wisconsin guys that are used to fishing that stained water, they'll go to the east side. We don't fish that we like the clear water. We're we probably fish the clearest of the lakes, probably 80% of the time. We're just more comfortable with it. We're more comfortable fishing deep. But to kind of touch on the question there's going to be times where a section of the lake is going to be hot versus others. And it's, it's trying to figure out where the bait is in relation to each section of that lake. And for us up here, a big portion of our bait is Cisco's, So Cisco's and whitefish perch to some degree, obviously, and walleyes, depending on the time of year, but in these bigger lakes with the bigger basins, you're looking for where are the Cisco's or where are the perch and walleye. And when you find them, that's that's obviously you know, a big part of the equation. So each section of lake can kind of fire off a little bit different. And then you're going to get sections of the lake where you're just going to have bait up in the weeds in that whole lake. So you almost have to fish all of it. Of course, for us, we have our favorite spots or the spots that we know a little bit more intimately, so we'll gravitate towards those. But again, it it kind of comes down to time of year and just I know I listened to you guys' most recent one with the musky metrics, and you guys were talking about that that bite that happens one year and the next year you can almost count on it happening in the same area at the same time with the same conditions. We see that a lot up here, and it's something that I see a lot of Americans that come up. They try to plan their trip on the same week every year. But if they're at the beginning of the year around opener and we have a cold spring, it might be the same week, but the weather pattern might be a week or two either way. And that can really throw off a pattern to something you weren't prepared for. So for us being up here, we're able to kind of fish around that. But it it because I think we're so far north, things change slower. And then when they do change, it can be a really abrupt change because our season is so short man
1: i i'm I'm trying to like think of something to go off of that my mind's going in like a million different <laughs> directions right now just because something. none i got I got, got something, something? Like, okay yeah. yeah go for you, it you, you brought up like a lot of the the transports if you will of americans coming up and, and trying to get this piece of like canadian fishing i kind of say this like you know hopefully no one gets mad at me but are there any like funny stereotypes you see of us of us uh americans coming up and trying to tackle these canadian <laughs> waters do we do anything that's just blatantly dumb i mean are you watching guys with usa flags running their boat into rock reefs on eagle <laughs> lake all the time or you know what what i guess it's like you know you guys are locals you know we kind of give shit sometimes to guys from like chicago that come up to eagle river you know trying to Park their pond, rented pontoon boat and a dock slip, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we have fun with it. But I'm curious to kind of, you know, hear how you guys view like Americans coming up and just planning a 10 day trip and trying to get after it on like an Eagle Lake or a Lake of the Woods, something like that.
0: I've seen guys hit rocks. I've seen guys <laughs> pretty well beach boats on sandbars. I've seen guys fish a chunk of lake that they may have seen a fish but (laughs) historically there's nothing there the biggest thing that we the biggest thing that we see i guess kind of twofold we do see a lot of guys that come back year after year and they got it dialed in like a Mm -hmm. guy like brian scaife he comes up he's gonna fish his section he's gonna adapt to that year after year change and he's gonna get a, a handle on it but then i look at other guys that come up here and they think they know what works at home is going to work up here and shield lakes big deep shield lakes like eagle like cedar like you know sections of lake of the woods they just fish different and one thing probably the biggest thing that we see is if there's an open water reef with a jug on it a white jug or whatever the americans are going to pull right up <laughs> on top of that thing and they're going to cast to that jug like it's a target <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny because there's a lot of reefs up here and when we were new i know what it's like when you're driving around and you're trying to figure out a lake and we had to figure them out too before there was good mapping and i pulled up on all the jugs and you cast and you kind of you go in shallow and you work your way out and now being a much more experienced musky angler i pull in deep and i work my way up because it's very hard to go backwards it's it's hard when you pull up on a spot and you scare the fish that are sitting off that break line you you probably miss that chance on that fish so that's that's the biggest thing we see is they they probably fish too shallow and the other thing that we see is and they're most of them are unapologetic about it. Even guys that I guide, they're like, why are we so far away from shore? They're like, I want to hit shore with my lure. I'm like, there's no fish up there. And if there is, they're not the big ones that we're after. And so that's kind of a running joke is they're, they're just shore fishermen. They just pick a chunk of shoreline and they just run for miles. And then they wonder why they never catch anything.
1: You'll have to excuse my laughter, but you're talking pretty much directly to one of our counterparts here, uh, Brian, who's very well known for you know getting a little queasy the second the shoreline. Hey, hits.
2: I'm 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 only that way in Wisconsin where I know where the fish are. I changed my <laughs> attitude in Canada.
1: <laughs> okay, so with that said, Brian, I mean, Glenn, like <clears throat> do you have any words of wisdom for us three? Because a plan to Canada is, is imminent. We got to do it, right? Like, we've heard about it for so long. We've seen the videos, your your channel, uh, Brian's channel going up to Eagle Lake. Like, we want to do it. So, you know, what's – you touched on it in your previous answer, but what's some advice that you'd have to us going up there, one, fishing-wise, and then, two, is there any, you know, kind of unspoken etiquette of fishing up in Canada that is any different than you think, you know, it might be here in in the States?
0: On the etiquette thing, we've seen a big change from post-COVID to pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, I think we had kind of found a balance where boats were giving boats room. When guys are on a spot, you give them lots of room. Coming out of COVID, I think we got a lot of new anglers and a lot of new people coming up here It almost changed the generation of people that were visiting canada for fishing the baby boomers weren't coming and it was you know their kids and and that next generation so things have kind of changed and i think i made the joke with vavrock one time we were talking about like the chess cam and that first person shooter kind of perspective It's like the young kids are the running guns and they don't care who's in front of them or behind them. We get those boats that just cut you off, which you never used to see up in Canada. And now we're starting to see that a little bit more. So that's the one side of it. I think the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody, whether they're coming from Manitoba or they're coming from Southern Ontario to Fish Shield Lakes, is start slow and start deep. And that, it took us a long time to learn that guys like up here, Steve Herbeck's talked about it for years. Um, Cal Ritchie's another really popular guide in our area and and him and I talked a little bit and he told me, he's like, wherever you think your boat needs to be placed for your cast into whatever the structure is, go one casting distance behind that and then start from there and work your way in. And it took us a few years to get used to fishing deep first and work up the structure. And it's it's a very hard mindset when you want to hit structure with every cast. You have to be diligent. You may not see fish at first, but sometimes those fish that are sitting off that deep edge, and now with live scope and you know the technology, you can see them. That's the biggest piece of advice I could give people is you really got to start slow and really start deep.
2: So is, is that advice for year round? Like, is that, you know, are the fish going to be sitting farther off the break than you expect or farther off the shore than you expect year round? Or is there a season when they're kind of pushing up tight?
0: Short answer is yeah. Year round this year, pretty much right out of the gate. I was catching fish on a 10 inch red October tube in 20 feet of water on opening weekend. And my last casting fish was over 16 feet of water with a quad dog in November so the fish up here a lot of them will sit off that edge you're always going to have weed fish all summer long right into the fall there's always going to be fish in both both areas but typically what we see other than like those those peak feeding windows like you guys talked about in your last podcast the big fish are going to be holding out that just I think everybody that's fished up here and and most of the guides are going to tell you that And when I say start deep, have your boat placed out, cast up and work your way in. Because if you pull up on a spot too tight and your boat's sitting on top of fish, by the time your lure gets to the boat, you might get that, you know, that quick follow from under the boat. But in most cases, you've spooked those fish off and you never really get a shot at those fish, even though there may be fish sitting shallow. It just... It's a little bit of a slower approach, but it gives you more real estate to fish without spooking fish off of it.
1: Do you, with that technique or or how you place your boat in that sense, are you fishing spots twice or are you just kind of like letting the wind drift you into a spot? Or, I mean, like uh, I guess I'd, that's kind of hard because it's probably just dependent on the spot if it's like a little, you know, mid-lake yeah. reef as in the shoreline or something like that.
0: So if it's a if it's a mid lake reef, we would start out so that we're casting and hitting the top of that first break line. So say the first break line is at an eight foot depth. So the reef, you know, tops out at two feet underwater. That first breaks at eight feet and it drops down to like 12 or 14. We want to be hitting at least the outside edge of that first break. And if we don't encounter any fish, then we'll move in or at least when we go all the way around 360 around it we'll try a couple casts up shallow or one of us would put on a top water something you can bomb right to the top of an open water reef so that's a way of kind of covering it in one pass and then if it's a weed line we want to start way out on the deep edge or at least on the outside edge and something that we do quite a bit and actually show it in some of our videos is the front guy in the boat will cast kind of parallel to shore out the front of the boat, as opposed to casting in. And if I'm at the back of the boat, I'll cast in while Dave's casting parallel. You're covering both sections in one pass with guests. That's very hard because you're trying to tell a guest at the front of the boat to just cast into no man's land. They don't believe you. And I think I think I wrote an article for musky hunter or something about that, where the guests at the front of the boat didn't want to do that. And I was just like, you have to just trust me. Like this is going to work. And he ended up catching two fish in one pass with a toad out the front of the boat over 30 feet of water. And then he finished the day with a third one and they were all in deep water. And that, that changes whole perspective on where fish are in you know relation to depth of water
1: yeah, that's definitely preaching on that parallel cast is super important. I, I myself fish out of the back of the boat. So like, if I'm fishing with, you know, my buddies, you know, Brian, Max and, and friends, they usually just do it because they kind of know that deal. But that is something that I have to, you know, tell clients here and there. It's like, Hey, just, you know, it's like, let's try some parallel casts, you know, the, the, the perpendicular ones aren't working, but, um, Oh, I kind of thought of something that I wanted to go off before when I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I see in your, you know, bringing it back to YouTube. One, your channel is awesome. And I love that you use tons of different lures. Like that's that's probably, you know, one of the coolest parts of it that you kind of just showcase a ton of different lures, how to use them, everything like that. But uh, I noticed that usually how it goes in Canada, you see that everyone goes up there. Throws a bucktail, they catch fish. But uh, I know you love, you know, your blade with no name, of course. But like you throw a lot of different types of stuff, like rubber and jerk baits. And I think that's going hand in hand with how you're saying that you fish deeper uh, than normal, or, or now you're fishing deeper than normal, and you're you're catching really nice fish and you're seeing good numbers. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, <laughs> but uh, but uh, if you want to like elaborate on you know just oh man I, I don't know i really don't know where i was going with that
0: i, I think i kind of i kind of know the question so that was one thing yeah. that when we started the youtube channel we wanted to remain as unbiased as we could in what it was that we use and we're fortunate we're sponsored and and supported by like a ton of great companies and we appreciate every single one but we thought that because of where we have our family cabin on blue lake which is the clear water that you see all our underwater footage videos of we thought it was a perfect opportunity to get lures in the water and show people a different perspective of how lures look and that that was kind of a a bit of a labor of love for us it takes a lot of time to get all that footage and edit through it but it turned out to be really popular with with the viewers. And it was something that I was like, how do we tie that into what it is we do as anglers. So every time we're out fishing and we're picking a lure and we don't pick a lure based on who give it to me or who's sponsoring us. I just pick a lure because to us, they're just tools. It's a, it's just absolute. It's just a tool, whatever the tool is going to work for the day. That's the tool I want to use. And we'll grab something we catch a fish on it and then when we're going to make a video i'll have a backlog of footage that i can hopefully use and show the viewers this is how we use that lure and this is why it worked in this situation so kind of take it one step further i think to where your question was going to go is Being able to remain very unbiased with it, which is hard at times because yeah, you get companies that are, they want you to use their stuff as we fish a different style, fishing deeper. That was a few years ago. We had a really hot summer here in 2018 and it just, it was very hard to get fish up in the weeds. They were there, but they wouldn't bite. So we kept having to fish deeper and deeper and I started using tubes and Or sorry, that year I started using toads and we started having a lot of luck. And then from there, we just slowly started using more medusas and then more bulldogs. And then this year I really got into the tubes and we just crushed on the tubes all summer long. And kind of the up to the bucktail thing, we posted a video. I think it was mid-July. We had not caught a fish on a bucktail in Canada. Like You tell people that and they're just like, are you guys either not fishing or you just absolutely (laughs) suck as anglers. But we hadn't like I literally the first muskie I caught this year was on an SRJ from pandemonium, like their little jerk bait, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Love it caught a few fish. And then from there, I basically went right to tubes. And I we purposely went into a video. I'm like, Dave, we have to catch a fish on a bucktail. So we went up to cedar and we fished hard that day and we fished through a storm, we fished through some good weather, bad weather. I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Like it's, I, I don't know what to do. And I was throwing a blade with no name. And I'm like, I know this thing's going to catch. Finally, I got caught, got the musky off. It was like a 40 inch musky, put that back in like three casts later. I got a 40 inch pike. And in the video, Dave and I are more excited about a 40 inch pike than we were a 40 inch (laughs) musky, just because a 40 inch pike up here is a pretty cool fish, but it proved that, yeah, we can do it when you have to, but it's not always the tool that we go to. So we always just try to pick the right lure for the right time. And I guess maybe that's something else that I see, a, you know, Americans or Manitobans, whoever it is that come into sunset country, they come in with a preconceived notion that they're going to throw a bucktail because it's mid, you know, it's mid July and it's mid summer patterns. They're throwing bucktail all day in a top water at night and that may work, but it may not work. And if you're not flexible, you're going to have a terrible week up here. One of my very good buddies, Kevin Wagner, he spent a week up here in 2020 and first day, I think they got a 39 and a 40 or something like that. So they're like, okay, we kind of figured out a little bit of a pattern and they stuck with that. And three days later, he's like, we're not seeing nothing. I'm like, Kevin, you, you got to move out. You got to start fishing deeper. But in his head, he couldn't do it and they ended up with those two fish for a week and we put like nine or 12 or whatever in the boat because we fish different and it it's so hard to just look at lures as tools because we all have that little bit of uh we we have a favorite lure we have a favorite technique or we have a favorite you know whatever it is and you just you always rely on that and it, it's so hard to kind of get outside of that box.
2: Well, yeah. While we're on the topic of baits, uh, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it sounds like you were using the quad dog quite a bit. How does that thing look? Did you have a, some great success with that this year?
0: So I wasn't in on the early testing and stuff, but Brad sent me four, I think, in early November. So he sent me a message. He's like, tracking says it's at your post office. I was like, okay, we're just heading out. I'll stop there. So we stopped, I opened up the box. I'm like, Oh yeah, they look pretty cool. And we went out that day. Dave got a 47 trolling. And then we went in, picked up my wife for the afternoon. She was running a sucker. I think Dave was casting. I can't remember what. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to put this quad dog on and like literally 20 casts later, I got like the fattest 44 and a half that we got all year. <laughs> but what I like about it. Yeah. It moves a ton of water. It's a heavier lure. It's going to get down a little bit deeper. And it surprisingly, even with that lip that it has on it, it doesn't glide like a Medusa, which a lot of guys love that glide of a Medusa. That's always the thing that's annoyed me about a Medusa is it just, it glides. It doesn't want to go nose down like a toad or a tube. That's when those things get hit. And that's why guys put tons of weight on a Medusa to get it to go nose down. And then they work great. It almost seems like this is that bait just better because it does that already and it moves a ton of water and in the testing I heard that those things got hit head first all the time that's exactly what happened on ours so I think for us it's going to be the style of bait that fishes exactly where we want it to fish in the water column so I think it'll fit our style of fishing really really well
2: yeah, I'm so, excited to get my hands on one because that's I'm the same way with Medusa's. They just kind of blimp through the water. I like more of an erratic rubber bait. And so it's cool to hear about the quad dog for sure.
0: We did do a quick little short video <laughs> where we compared them. I did get a little bit of underwater footage of the quad dog late in the year. It's not a perfect comparison and it's not meant to be, you know, one or the other. I think both have, you know, great things for them medusa's you know it's a legendary bait i just think that because the quad dog looks similar social media has made it this head-to-head battle and it sometimes it's not fair when new things come out and people just compare them like that so what we do with our channel is try to take those things and let's you know, be as unbiased as we can get them in the water, show the viewers and let them kind of decide. But I do think if you like that little bit more erratic beats, you know, something that's more like a tube, you're going to love the quad dog.
1: That's good to hear. Cause that is definitely what we like. And I was going to ask one or two more things on the quad dog with that. Is it pretty nose heavy? Does it nose dive on its own? If you don't say tune it at all.
0: Yeah, it, it pretty much runs nose down. Not, not as heavy nose down as, say, a tube, but it definitely does go nose down. But it, the tails keep it on a, I would say, a slower descent than, say, a tube.
1: Okay. And uh, does it come with a standard harness, like a straight harness, or is it like the Pro-Dog pro uh, flexible? No, it's harness. like a
0: Pro-Dog flexible. It It's actually, if I should have brought one in, we could have talked about it, but it it's super flexible. Like, it, it almost feels like there's no harness at all in it it's like ultra flexible so it again that was one of the things with the medusa everybody grabs a medusa and bends it to give it that little bit of form so that it'll roll down this you don't have to do that this thing just wants to roll
1: that's pretty nice
0: i i think it's going to be a really cool bait um on our upcoming Bait of the year video it's definitely going to be our pick for you know best bait that we've seen in a while I just, even though I only fished it briefly in the fall, anytime we get a casting fish in early November up here, that's good for us. And for that thing to be like 20 casts in and catch a fish, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be a winner in my books. Oh, for
1: sure. I think everybody was kind of yearning for something new to come out in the muskie industry bait wise. And we've kind of speculated on where where baits could kind of go from here. You know what I mean? Like it feels like they've really covered a lot of the bases of possibilities on what we're able to even throw as anglers and but who knows i mean that's i'm sure in 2000 people weren't thinking we were going to be throwing you know magnum two pound rubber baits and <laughs> huge swimming dogs that look like cisco's and stuff like that or double you know double 12 so um speaking of baits because we're on the topic uh, i do want to pay you compliment you have probably one of the more badass bait caves i've seen on the youtube channel um is the how did that get started you know how did you build it to what it is now um just kind of always curious to hear hear about the bait caves because we got a lot of gus has got a lot of baits (laughs) sitting around in cardboard boxes you know some are hanging up and i'm like god it'd be sweet to have a bait cave
0: (laughs) well (laughs) so i got a little garage i have an attached garage where the boat is and then a little shop. It's it's just a it's a bona fide man cave because I can't do anything in there. Basically, <laughs> I got a couple snow machines, a quad in there, and just musky gear. Nice. But <clears throat> just years of accumulating, like everybody. And a few years ago, as we kind of started the YouTube stuff, I'm like, need to come up with a better backdrop. I wanted to take the YouTube production side more serious I wanted to get decent lighting have a backdrop that looks like it fits the vibe of a channel so because my wife runs a tackle shop and everything's on a pegboard and I'm used to just hanging the stuff at the shop with her I'm like why don't I just do that at home like that seems easy enough so I thought okay how do I do I do it like a lot of guys and just put one thing excuse me my phone barking at me so I thought, do I just do one bait on each peg like a lot of guys do? So it looks like you have a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: I tried that. There, There's just absolutely no way that was ever going to work. So each peg's got like five or six or whatever on it, as much as I thought it would hold. So I started with a four by eight sheet of peg board, and that clearly wasn't going to be enough. So then I went to the wife's shop. I got a couple display units, like big, like they're six feet tall. They rotate started hanging rubber on there and i'm like okay these things are going to fall over so this year i went out i got a couple pallets and i put those on one end and the pallets hold the rubber perfect so i hung all the rubber on there and posted a quick picture i got overwhelmed with comments and questions and (laughs) people want to see what's on there so at some point this winter we'll do kind of a walkthrough video but again for me it's it's not about bragging it's not about you know mine is bigger than yours it's it was a cool way to get everything out of all the lake woods get them on a wall see what's good there's some that i you know i had a couple old grandmas i'm like this thing is just garbage it's cracked it's broken the hooks are rusty why why do i have this like chuck it so it was a way to go through everything And yeah, let's face it. It's a cool backdrop to a YouTube channel. We always joke that there's, there's a lot of money tied up in there. I've spent a lot on it, but I've been very fortunate in what we do that we do get a lot given to me. And that again, that's, that's not bragging. I appreciate every single lure that any company sends to us and we do everything in our power to try and repay it back 10 times over by, getting them in the water showcasing them catching on them but the the man cave thing it's cool it's i think when when you're a kid my little nephew comes over and he's like five six years old he's like uncle glenn you gotta give me a musky lure i'm like okay let's go pick one and he's like i want that blue one up there i'm like well that's a supernatural lip lock you were definitely not having that one <laughs> let's see if we can find something over on the bass side here <laughs> yeah. you know, Muskie anglers are like kids we like to go into a tackle shop and feel and touch stuff it's that's it's our toys right so to have them all up on the wall it's just it's a cool way of showcasing them and it's just it just looks cool I mean I'm not gonna lie and and people seem to like it so it, it is it's an addiction anybody listening to this already knows that if they're this deep into the pool they know it's an addiction and whether you got 20 lures on your wall 100 or you got 40 something thousand like i probably have it's an addiction it is what it is
2: we always seem to fall into that trap like usually as we get into the depths of winter here and as we start getting close to musky season we start racking up baits and I think last spring we started the no new baits trend within our group <laughs> chat. Like, nope, we're not doing it. Not pulling the trigger. <laughs> that was after I send them keep, weekly.
1: I keep sending you guys slips of me buying baits at 2am after I had, after <laughs> like, I had too many drinks. Also, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff from TRO is getting an email from me at 2.15 on a Friday night. He's probably sending it out drink. at 4.00.
0: Bulldog, yeah. Yeah. The the problem with baits and being a musky angler is that we always look for what's going to be that next thing. And, like you guys had just said, the quad dog is that going to be the next thing next year? It's going to catch a ton of fish because it's new and guys are going to be throwing it, so it's going to work. It's like when the fat bastard came out, my wife was one of the first ones in Canada to get one she crushed on it all year it's it's whatever new bait comes out is gonna do good but you can only throw one bait at a time and it, it for us by the time july comes around dave and i are down to about i could literally go with six baits and we did a video where we only took three baits that's yeah. all we had in the boat we took three baits each and we caught three fish that day you can do that it just as a musky angler you're you're just like well i haven't caught a fish in 10 minutes so i gotta change my lure like that you know it's easy to get caught up in that brian's like 10 yeah. minutes wait what yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah Pretty yeah no jealous. i i like yeah. that though i mean like there was a few times this summer where gus would go out on a guide trip and i would take our little boat out of our cabin and i would go and you know to our big tackle box or whatever and i didn't want to like build a whole box so i would just take out like three or four baits. I mean, it's really nice to have options and, you know, it's kind of fun to do stuff like that because it also, it gets you back a little bit to your roots, like on what used to work, you know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago, where it's amazing that sometimes when you recycle these baits from a while back, like they almost become the new bait again, you know, where it's like, man, muskies probably haven't seen this in a while. So I don't know if you do that or often, or if you're kind of You know, keeping things relevant. But, you know, I know for us, like we've fell in love with like crane baits, you know, this year, stuff like that. I mean, just some kind of older school
0: stuff. It's been great. Actually, I got a really good story about that. So, probably seven, eight years ago, my kid's school bus driver, he used to be a guide on Eagle Lake. And his name's Willie. Great guy. He was a great angler out there. So he always stops at my wife's shop before he goes to pick the kids up from school. <laughs> and he says to David and I, he's like, are you guys using suics? David and I are like, we have some. He's like, are <laughs> you using them? We're like, no. He's like, you guys should use them. We started using them. And it, we went on a tear. It was <laughs> almost like whenever I put on that silver jailbird suic, it was like, you just pull your lines out boys. Cause it's like, shit's <laughs> going to happen. getting it, it was crazy because it, it was like nobody up here had thrown suix for like 10 years and we found some old stock, silver jailbird and gold jailbird. And that's where anybody that knows me or follows me on social media knows I got this thing for this silver, silver jailbird pattern. That's kind of our kind of custom or whatever you want to call it pattern. And it all started with that single suic I still have, it's a nine inch weighted suic things probably caught 50 fish and it, you know, it's sitting high and center on the the bait wall and people, when they want to send us lures, they're like, we'll do it up in your silver jailbird pattern. I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be, but that's really cool. But yeah, it's kind of going back to the question. We always go back to stuff like after a while we'll be like, Hey, we haven't tried, you know, whatever this is in a while, or we haven't tried that lure. Let's go back to that. This year, Dave pulled out a pacemaker, which was something we hadn't thrown in a while and his stepson caught a muskie on it you know basically first day out so it's sometimes new isn't necessarily better it's again it's about knowing which tool to use at the right time
1: <clears> 100 <throat> how did that jailbird color get started i think you've touched on it on other podcasts but i'd be curious to hear it firsthand now that we got you
0: so the first suik that we kind of found, actually, I found I think I found it at my wife's shop. It was like old stock and it was a silver Jailbird. So it's silver with the black bars. And I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And the orange with black dot suic was really good for us. That's like a really popular Canada color. <laughs> I just started using the silver one and it, it worked and it worked and it worked. So I called Michael Suik. I'm like, I'm going to need to get a couple more of these. He's like, oh, that's discontinued that color. It didn't sell very well. So we discontinued it. And I'm like, well, can you do a run of them? He's like, yeah, I'll do another 12. So I think we did 12 wood and 12 plastic. I sold or gave away most of them. But I kept that, that very first one. And then after that, every time I would get like a custom lure from somebody, they, because they are watching us on socials or, or this was before YouTube, they'd be like, hey, I'll do you one in that silver jailbird. So it, it just kind of became our kind of unofficial custom pattern and to take it one step further this year, I reached out to Brad and I was like, Hey, Brad, can let's do a custom color. And I want to do it based on the silver jailbird, but I want it to have, you know, a little bit of orange in it. I'm like, what if we come up with a color, we won't name it and I'll hold a contest on our socials and we'll get our, you know, fans, followers, whatever to do it, to, to try and name it. It blew up. We had like 300 and some suggestions. We ended up calling it Sunset Jailbird. It was one of Brad's most popular colors. He's updated it for show season. It's going to look just absolutely killer. And then another take on that instead of doing it with orange, we did it with some kind of green chartreuse and we called that one Carbon Perch. And it just looks killer too. And they've updated that one. So To be able to have almost a signature color pattern or something you're known for, and then be able to take it to a big company like Muskie Innovations, produce it, and then have people buy it and tell you that it works. It's just, it's like a feel good story, right? Like it, you can't help, but you know, like that. So it's just cool that it started on a single suic and then it's grown to something that we're kind of known by. Yeah. That's
1: that's pretty badass. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so uh, I, I don't want to change gears too much here, and i'm I'm sure we'll get back to some more uh, Canadian fishing, but have
0: you fished in the states much or at all? Never. I've had some opportunities to go down. It just hasn't worked out. Actually, a few years ago, we were down in Park Falls picking up a order at St. Croix and we went down to John's at Lake X lures. It was the night before Wisconsin opener and that had all the makings of turning into like a week long bender. He's like, he was calling. He's like, I'll find a boat and stuff for you guys. You got to stay. I'm like, if I stay tomorrow, I won't be going home till Tuesday. There's a good chance I'll be divorced. So no, I haven't had a chance. I've talked with guys like Matt Babrock going down maybe early. It's very hard to leave here to go down there in the summer. So it's, it's one of those things I'll have to make it kind of a destination trip, maybe like a green Bay trip or do something outside of our normal season here, because it, it's hard to leave here in, in mid part of summer.
1: Yeah. I, I don't blame you there at all. Cause you got the, <laughs> you got the big fish opportunities and the numbers as well. And, uh, I was just listening to On the hunks podcast that you were on, you were talking about next summer, potentially doing a YouTube series of just going after a legal, you know, a Canadian legal, which is what your YouTube name is after. And I will just, I'll speak for Brian and Max and I know that we'll, we would love to see something like that. So I don't know if you want to touch on that anymore for that's in your YouTube plans for 2024.
0: So it's something that we definitely talked about i go through phases where i get into something i go all in for a while me and my buddies had a garage band and we played all the local bars and stuff and like we were that was it we were right into it and after five or six years i got bored of that right now i'm like all in on musky fishing and i know that eventually you just can't keep going at the top not the top level because i got like a full-time job and a wife and family i'm just like i'm a bonafide weekend angler i just i go out a lot more during the week than i should but <laughs> you can't you can't keep it up forever so for me something i need to change raise the stakes so like i told the guys on the Muskie hunks that i think the logical thing for us, because I've never caught a legal and they don't come easy up here in Canada. Like there's only a handful of over 54 caught on Eagle every year, a couple on Lake of the woods, couple on Lac Sewell and, you know, maybe one or two on Cedar. So like they don't come easy. So I don't know if I'll do it next year, but eventually here we are going to do something where it's going to be just the hunt for 54 and we'll document it vlog series style that Today, this is what we're using. We strike out at the end of the day. We'll make it into a story. And I kind of tried it this fall when we got into our fall season and kind of to circle all the way back around to the trolling stuff. We didn't have a really good supply of suckers this year. So we kind of resorted to trolling because that's all you can do when it's super cold. I, we went fishing on Monday. I aired that video Tuesday and we did it kind of a vlog series, you know, by date. And it proved super popular. People were really into it because it's like next day coverage. So that's something that we're going to try next year. I think when we start in, in June is like those first couple of weeks, I want to get the stuff out really quick so that it's, it's very current so that people are coming up. They'll know kind of what's happening. I think that's something that is missing in musky fishing. And then that'll help us kind of go into that, the hunt for 54 i do think that next year i want to split my time between guiding fun fishing fishing with friends and family and split it up somewhat so that i leave myself like 33 percent of the time where we're going to go out on the west arm eagle which is like super clear needle in a haystack kind of water and we're going to just get a hunt for 54 and like, I've, I have made the joke with the musky hunt guys, I'm like, if we get it in the net, and we put the stick in or we look at it and we're like, it's 50. We're just dumping it like if you're going <laughs> to go for the hunt for 54, you have to go all in, you can't be holding pictures of fish that are 50 because that's not truthful to what you're trying to do. So whether I'll have the balls to do that or not, I'm not really <laughs> sure. But yeah. I think that's, that's what needs to, to happen there is that you're going in with a single purpose and anything less than 54, it, it'd it be hard not to hold a 53 up. I'm not going to freaking lie. Yeah. Even I, you, this,
1: oh my God. this sounds like so badass. And I know if I ever like want to try and do this, I'll be on day two and be like, what am I doing? What?
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't we all, um, we (laughs) actually, this fall, we had some pretty good days, actually really good days, but you get off the water after a three or four fish day, you're back in the truck and you're like, damn it. That could have easily been like a six or seven fish day. And it almost feels like you failed when you caught three or four fish. And I'm just like, are we that jaded that that's how we feel? And we, we know we're fortunate to live where we live and we're fortunate. We've caught a lot of fish, but it's not lost on us. And, you know, you got to take a little piece of humble pie and say that, yeah, you had some good luck today, but tomorrow you could go out and get nothing and we get lots of zero days. Those are very hard to show on YouTube. So people don't see those days. So we're like anybody else. We have plenty of trips where we get big fat goose eggs, but because you don't show those days people think that oh those 54 guys they catch fish every time out every video they got three fish well that's just not the reality of it and I think that social media only shows the good stuff they you know you can only look at a sunset picture so long and you're just you're bored of it because you know that those guys didn't catch any fish So (laughs) there's got to be a better way of telling a story and and having it know more more real life and that that's something that we're actually going to try and do with the channel and i've been hashtagging this is real life because i want it to be this is us this is you know more how we are as people and last year even dave and i started acting more like ourselves on camera because if you guys have ever fished with a camera beside you even when you don't think you're changing you're always a little bit conscious of it so this year we just tried to be more ourselves you know laugh and joke and for us, the fishing is it's about just getting out there. It's not always about catching fish and I think we always lose sight of that that sometimes you're like if we don't catch it you know feels like a complete complete failure and it shouldn't
1: well, it's funny that you bring that up let's let's kind of talk about that a little bit with the the on camera fishing and and you know like showing your true colors because i we started running GoPros. Was it last year, kind of officially, yeah. we started really running the GoPros?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I can definitely agree that, like, when you know the camera's on, um, you know, you might act a little bit different, you know whatever. But we kind of went through a growing phase or some growing pains with filming where it almost seemed like, you know, the more inappropriate thing we would say, the better <laughs> chance there was that we'd catch a fish. Because it was like the second somebody was, would say something that was completely out of pocket. It would be like oh got one and it's like well we gotta run the five minute loop and now i got freaking brian talking about you know x y and z and that's not gonna get onto youtube and last for more than five minutes so um you know or you're showing your friends or your parents and you're like why is the volume all the way down it's, oh well you know it was all muted up until the, the fish actually got caught um I'd say the only time like that I really truly acted like myself on when we were running cameras was during tournaments because I think you just kind of let it all go or whatever and you don't really think about the camera on and there's a Musky pretty blackout. embarrassing there's a pretty embarrassing clip of me when I caught a big fish in a tournament last summer. Um, uh-huh. Gus actually had to shush me because I was just going too crazy uh <laughs> there's a lot of boats around us <laughs> <laughs> but uh so so when you talk about like you guys get more comfortable i mean um obviously it was something you noticed uh and is that just like all right we're gonna like let it loose a little bit more we're gonna include a little bit more of the vlog style conversations like this is just what we do out here because i personally love seeing that stuff i think it's really fun you know like these these YouTube content you guys do it's great to see the fish and hold it up and it's beautiful and everything but you watch the video for the other you know 12 or 14 minutes you want to see what goes into it the banter the ups the downs like that's the cool stuff in my opinion
0: well I I appreciate that because I just finished editing what's going to be one of the best fish from last year it's going to air early in January put a lot of time into the storytelling aspect of it. And, you know, some interview style clips of Rich and I talking about the day and talking about the fish and showing the day before when we, you know, struck out and, and making the actual catch, not really the star of the show, but there's, there's more to it that goes on with any musky fishing trip. And this year, david was more vocal in the videos and he's always he's very witty and the people that have watched the videos they know dave's my you know my most he's out there fishing with me the most and then my wife and then my brother-in-law richie they're kind of my sounding board so anything that i'm going to do i kind of pass it by them and they'll either give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down and we talked about it last year in the off season that we needed to show more of our, you know, our true colors. And it kind of started last year. Kyla caught a 52 and a half on a sucker late in the season. And you can't hide that emotion. There's no hiding that like that just comes out we were yeah. all stoked. I looked in the net and I was like, well, that's a big freaking fish, but you never want to say 50, right? Cause right. she had never caught one. So I'm like, well, it's, it's four foot, you know, it's all four foot. And then when <laughs> she brought it out of the net and it's not stopping, I'm like, oh, this is big fish. <laughs> and when you show that emotion and people see it, it's, it's infectious, right? When you see that type of emotion and we get a little bit of backlash because we don't show a lot of emotion when we catch fish. And it's, it's not, it's not on purpose because I want to show we enjoy catching every single fish, but we, you know, you hook one way out from the boat and we reel it in and Dave and I got our routines. We get it in the net, you know, we do a quick fist pump or whatever. And then we just, we go through our routine of filming, which it let's face it it does take a little bit of that emotion in the moment away because you know you're filming but it it's not that we don't enjoy that fish or we're happy it's just that when you do get to a point in whatever sport you're in and you've hit a plateau a high high plateau it it's not that you don't take you know don't take it for what it's worth just sometimes it's not as exciting as it should be. And and when you've caught as many 40 inch fish as, as probably all of us, those aren't ones, aren't the ones that get you excited. It's not that you're unhappy to catch it. It's just that it might not be the one. And you know, some people they're like, well, I don't, I don't get how you can't be excited to catch any muskie." And I was in a band and I played guitar. And I remember when I first picked up a guitar and I started learning, I was like, I'll never learn how to play the sweet child of mine solo or whatever song it is. And when you learn how to play it and you play it on stage, then it's, it's, it's whatever. If you're a golfer and you all of a sudden you're playing golf at car on every course you go to, it's, it's just not as exciting for you. You need to challenge yourself. And I think as musky anglers, we all have a different bar that we're trying to reach. And as a new musky angler, if it's a 36, that's your personal best and you're excited. Frick I want to hear that if it's 52 that gets you excited I want to hear it and it's it's just one of those sports that there's no set bar for everybody you know maybe that 50 inch mark but it's it shouldn't be that we don't celebrate the 36s for the other guys
1: yeah I, th- I think social media has kind of ruined the reputation of a 50 a little bit I mean I'm j- I'm just so freaking numb to seeing pictures of big fish these days it's still amazing it's unbelievable right but like i think you like you were saying like you as a your your yourself has to set those bars and goals or whatever um because otherwise if you're just looking at pictures of other people and saying okay that's my bar like it's going to be tough to compete because you know you're refreshing your feed and you you follow a thousand people on instagram or whatever it is and 990 of them are musky or fishing accounts you're going to see a lot of pictures of big fish so do you think like the challenge of doing like a 54 vlog type style is maybe your way of saying, okay, like I got to just do something a little different to like challenge myself to kind of just, you know, reinvent the wheel or get more excited about this at all. I mean, do you feel like you've plateaued a little bit in
0: the musky injury industry? Um, no, I don't know that I've really plateaued. We've, we've, definitely put a lot of energy into the youtube side of it and like i said earlier it takes a long time to film all the stuff underwater at our cabin you got to devote a whole day to that and people that view it they don't see all the hours behind it that's the same with any youtube channel doesn't matter what niche it's in but we put a lot of time into that one thing that we take a lot of slack for is we don't catch a lot of quote unquote big fish because we're not we don't fish eagle predominantly so we get the the slap from some of the guides out there oh yeah you guys catch lots of fish but they're all 40s which is untrue but there's always this stigmatism that if you're not putting a picture of a 50 up every time that you're not worthy and to me it doesn't bother me at all i'm old enough that i don't that little ego stuff doesn't bother me my goal is to help more people catch more fish and you know come up to canada and hopefully be prepared for it as much as we can show them through a breakdown or through a video or through the techniques that we do but i do find personally that i want to challenge myself and i've been telling people for a long time that somebody's going to come into the youtube musky world and they're going to take it mainstream there's been a couple guys that have been close. Um, ben Stone's really, really close. Like he's got the skills to take it to another level, the fishing and the videography. I think Kyle Fregis from Cabbage um, Dragon Media, his videography is like probably the best in, you know, the musky industry. He could take it there. And both of those guys, they seem very humble and down to earth and they can, you know, people can relate to them. So I think somebody's gonna take this sport to that mainstream kind of media level. You know, there's guys like Doug Wagner, the guy just catches giant after giant after giant, which is awesome, but I don't know that his video style is gonna be the one that takes it there. Ours, ours isn't. I know like it's not exactly the right style, but I wanna show more of that real life stuff. And if we can do like the challenge i don't know if you guys watch any vlog stuff on on youtube but ryan trahan did the penny series where he started with one penny on one coast of the states and he had to work his way across the united states by just trying to make money every day and he started with a penny it was so compelling and how can you put that in the musky world it's like i'm gonna start with like one bucktail and i'm gonna go after a 54 whatever the case is it was our Three lure challenge was a a form of that. Next year we want to do, we're going to take, you know, a Medusa and a quad dog and Dave and I, that's all we're going to fish that day. We're going to do something different because for us, it's not just about the catching fish. It's about going out, having fun and trying to show people what it is that we do when we're just goofing off, listening to heavy metal music in the boat and just being two guys like that's our stress dump time and we don't try to take ourselves too serious. So I think that helps. And I think a lot of people see that if they're just a weekend angler, they can you know look at us and be like, Hey, those guys are doing what we do.
1: Hell yeah. No, that, that hits home for, for me, for sure. I mean, I think the vlog stuff is extremely compelling, especially in the musky world. Uh, I definitely second the, kyle and ben two guys that we've obviously we had been on our podcast hope to have kyle on in the future but i've talked with him a good bit um <clears throat> great dudes real quick before we get keep going on the musky stuff i do have to ask about the band because obviously right like you guys covering music you got your own stuff when you were doing it what was the what was like a typical set for your you know
0: playing at these local bars It was all like pretty well a mix of classic rock to pretty well top 40. We had a singer that could cover pretty well anything from like ACDC to ZZ Top. Like literally he could cover that. We could do Journey songs. We could do Bon Jovi. We could do CCR. (laughs) We did a bit of all of it. Um, We would take new songs off the radio and kind of, rock them up our way so at the time we were doing like some of the lady gaga stuff because the people love that (laughs) we would do some of the country songs and rock them up we did a lot of everything but kind of like the musky stuff i got bored with just doing regular old (laughs) stuff so we would try to kind of rock it up our way and we changed some arrangements around and it was fun. Like we were definitely a party band. So if we went to uh you know, the local bar on new year's Eve or whatever, it was going to be a party. We had a few originals and we actually had one there that we played pretty steady and actually got a little bit of a, you know, a following for it. People are actually asking for it by name. So that, that was fun too. And that was, you know, another 15 minutes of fame in a different lifetime. And I missed it. <laughs> I missed being up on stage and that, you know, people ask, well, you don't seem to have any problem talking or being on video. And I'm like, I was in a band for a bunch of years and you're up on stage and yeah, it's nervous until you play the first chord and then away you go. And I think that's anybody who's, you know, in the public eye or on camera, that's kind of the same way.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, just... Go ahead, Gus. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that it's the same thing with us starting this podcast. It was just going to be us chopping up musky fishing and all of a sudden, you know, Got a little traction and and, you know, I've, I grew up not having great, you know, skills at public speaking and all that. And this is definitely helping and an eye opener for sure. But um was that when we started the podcast the first time it took us like 17 takes just to do the first three sentences? Yeah, like how to do <laughs> an intro and it was it was pretty it was gnarly. Our first episode actually never aired. Um, true (laughs) we shot one before (laughs) we 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 went to to, we shot one before we went to uh before i went to cave run and that just didn't work i was trying to edit while i was down there and all i wanted to do was hang out and editing was taken away from that so i texted brian and max i'm like sorry dudes, this episode is just not airing
2: (laughs) is that saved in the files anywhere can we eventually leak that Oh, we're gonna sound so bad. That's not.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it probably I, is. <laughs> I look back on our first couple YouTube videos, and they're absolutely horrible. But you know <laughs> what? It you learn and you you move up. Are everybody that's listening to this their first couple musky trips? Unless they locked out and got a forty-seven and a half, like your guests there the other day. Yeah you completely suck on your first couple trips Kyla and I went a couple of years without hardly catching a fish like if we caught a fish I mean we were so pumped and we struggled and struggled and struggled and eventually you start to put the pieces together and then you get to a point where we're you know we're at and we we're fortunate we catch a lot of fish but you don't get there overnight you got to put the hard work in you got to put the time in the youtube just like you guys with the podcast it it doesn't just happen overnight you kind of got to find your feet i like what you guys are doing i like a lot of these newer podcasts are coming out and you guys are talking to average guys that people can relate to i think that's huge because the muskie industry has always been a little bit top heavy because it was an exclusive industry for a long time, but now it's a much wider industry and there's more people into it. And the guys that were at the top for so many years, they're kind of getting older, slowly drifting out of the industry. And it's newer guys like Ben Stone, like Kyle, you know, there's, there's other guys that are coming into the industry that are going to take it to the, you know, the next level. And just having podcasts like yours and the Muskie hunks talking to just more average guys. I think it's just super important for the industry and talk to any company owner and they'll all tell you, they want this industry to be more inclusive and less exclusive. It's, it's a hard sell because of social media and the pictures of the 47s that look like fifty sixes. but you know, you just keep pushing. Eventually we'll get there.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, rising tide lifts all boats, right? I mean, that's that's kind of uh, the game plan and goal that we have. It's like the more people that get excited about musky fishing, the more it's going to benefit for everybody. There's going to be more innovation. You know, there's going to be, I think, the, the one maybe downfall that some older people might get mad about or maybe even people our age is the more people get into it, there is a finite amount of water in the world. But – I do think that there's plenty of pie to go around, and
2: you can always I don't bump know. the stocking numbers up. <laughs> you can
1: always bump the stocking numbers up. The more money that gets into the industry, the better the fishing will continue to be, in my opinion. And I mean, I think it's just going to be great. You know, it, the the more widespread it gets, I think you know it, it's just going to create a, a foster a good in, environment into the industry, and that would be great. I mean, like look at the bass industry and how crazy that is. I mean, it's a totally different fish. And it, you know, not comparable at all, but at the same time, it's like, you see how much money gets poured into those tournaments, into those products and all that stuff. The videos are crazy. You know, there's no reason, I don't know if the musky industry will ever get to that point, but like you were saying with people taking it more mainstream, I mean, I could definitely see just with how many more people are doing the videos, you know, starting the pot, just doing stuff like this is, it feels like it's becoming more of an inclusive industry. And that's a, a good thing in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I see it at my wife's shop. I see it talking to all the company owners and we go to the Minnesota show the last couple of years and just the people that come up and talk to us because they've seen us on YouTube or, or, you know, they see us on socials with all the positive you know feedback that we get on what we're doing. I can only control what I do and, you know, my little slice of the pie, but for us, it's all about, you know, trying to help people catch fish. It, it would be easy to just go out there and, and only do it for yourself, but that's, that's self-serving, right? We all want to help people. And for me at heart, I just want to see people that get into the industry and whether they only catch one fish and they're out because they're happy if that's all they want out of it, I'm okay with that too. I just want to see people come in, enjoy it, have fun and, you know, try to do things properly ethically and just remember that it, it is about fun. It's not just about that picture of a fish. It's about everything that goes with it. And that's why I think for us, the way we do it, we, again, we just want to show that there's, there's real life behind it. It's not just that two seconds you cast, you catch a big fish. Cause it, If if it was that easy, I think we'd all be you know millionaires,
1: or bored to death. I mean, eventually, (laughs) bored to death. Yeah, (laughs) you could just these things that easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What goes into it is just it's the best. I mean, I look forward to our weekends with all of our buddies so much. It's so much fun. I mean, just getting out there and shooting the shit. That's that's ninety eight percent of it for sure. Okay, so Glenn, I do, I'm going to ask you this for looking back on 2023, could you narrow it down to two or three of your favorite baits on the year and maybe the ones that like produce the most, or maybe the ones that you thought looked the best and you look forward to using again next year, just kind of a a little list there.
0: Um, I am in the middle of editing a video, which will probably air on January 1st which is our beats of the year and our past two years those have been some of our most popular videos so i don't want to totally give it away here don't spill the beans no need anybody who's watched anybody who's watched the channel knows basically the lures that we use um i'll just mention kind of a couple standouts that They're going to be on the list, but they may not be right at the top. But one that really surprised me that I mentioned early was the SRJ by Pandemonium. And Kevin sent us a couple and I tried it. I love Dive and Rise, obviously going back to the Suic talk. And that thing caught first day out. I got a beautiful tiger on opener, caught a bunch of fish over the early half of the year with it. And that lure just stood out to me that, You can do a bunch of stuff with it. You can work in a bunch of different ways. It was one that I wasn't really prepared for. I thought, oh, it's another dive and rise. Like we have, I don't know how many in the industry, but that one really stood out. And that's one that I'm looking forward to using next year. Another one that, again, no surprise for us is a Bondi Royal Oraba. And we always use the junior size, but we started adding a spinner bait arm on the front of it. And that was amazing. We caught a ton of fish on that and it's just the Bondi Royal Orb is such a versatile bait. You can use it like a bucktail. You can use it like a bulldog. You can count it down. You can do a bunch of things with it, but people look at it because it looks like a cigar with a tail. Nobody uses it. So I highly recommend that. If you're looking for something that's easy to throw and easy to use, a Bondi Royal Arba, and just get the junior size because it won't kill you and it catches a shit ton of fish, like absolutely does. And the one other one that nobody will be shocked will be a Blade With No Name. That thing, since we got it in, I guess it would have been late 2021, it's been hands down the best bait that we've had 2023 we had talked earlier that we hadn't caught a fish on a blade bait until july i used two baits two blade baits all season both were dadsons one was a three-bladed one that johnny built for me it's called old mcdonald go figure (laughs) and i got a really nice one on eagle on that and then the rest of the ones i got were all on a single blade with no name basically just black on black with a red dangle and I think at last count that had twenty three or twenty four fish at the end of the year on it, Jesus. and wow. that, that's it. I used two blade baits and basically caught twenty five fish on blade baits, and twenty three or twenty four of them were on a blade with no name. It's it has became the second most requested bait from Dadson, only behind his Bone Saw, and it's it's one that. It actually should have never happened the way it happened. I'm not even sure how to explain how it ended up getting this infamous kind of rap to it.
1: Please, please try if you can. Cause I mean, you're, first of all, you're rocking the blade of no name shirt. Uh, I would definitely <laughs> buy that hat. shirt and the dancing hat. Um, it's definitely been a bucktail that looks really, really sweet to us. I would love to love to purchase one in the future if i'd ever be able to um but how
0: did how did the buzz get started in your in your opinion so inside the Datsun community that bait kind of came around and i think i got proto number four of it and i got it for like 40 bucks it it was just another Datsun. we were like yeah whatever got it home, put some hooks on it, tried it out. And I was like, well, this thing definitely it's just anybody that gets a dadson blade bait that Johnny's tuned in the Niagara river. They just, they run turnkey and they have a grind to them and it, it just grinds. It just has this grind that you can't, it's hard to explain. You feel it in the rod tip. It just has a grind the way the dangle is on a clevis. It just, it has more flash than just being on a swivel. And the first year we are catching fish on it left, right, and center. And on the video, we're like, and we caught it on the, we weren't sure what to call it because inside the Dadson community, it had a name, but we didn't want to use it on the videos because Johnny keeps a lot of stuff tight. So we just, we were like, it's on the Dadson with the dangle blade. We didn't know what to say. And then at the end of the year, I asked Johnny and his wife, Sam, I'm like, we're going to put out a little trailer video because we did so well on this beat. What do I call it? And they're like, ah, whatever you want to do. And I was just like brainstorming some names. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to do like a movie trailer, I need like a really cool movie trailer kind of title. And I was like, I'm a James Bond fan. Like who doesn't like those kind of movies. I'm trying to think of animation for the video. I'm like a blade with no name. And it just, it was almost tongue in cheek and it, it stuck. And over the course of the winter, they got inundated with requests to produce it. And to the best of my knowledge, Johnny's never sold one to the public. I've got probably three or four batches in groups of six. I've probably gave away eight or nine of them. I've sold a few. I've auctioned a few. I've, you know, raffled to our followers. And it's, I actually, right now I have three of our, I would call them kind of our super fans or our, you know, our most devoted followers. I'm getting three of them done up for them. I'll get an additional one matching for each of them that I'll keep. So it it just, it's turned into this thing that is bigger than what it was. And yeah, lots of guys are like, it's just like any other bait. I'm like, well, it is, but it just produces so many fish. And I know, if you're just going to pick one bait and throw it all year, you're going to catch fish on it. But are you going to catch 23 or 24 fish? I'm not sure. And it it's a confidence bait for me. Guys like Matt Vavrock, he has one. It's a confidence bait for him. Almost everybody that gets one, they're like, oh yeah, there's there's just something in here that it's hard to put your finger on, but it works. And over the course of this winter, I think I'm <clears> going to <throat> have the ability to get a couple batches from Dadson, probably going to do like a small run where we're going to do something fun with it. Johnny and Sam like doing stuff like that for their supporters, their followers. So I'm thinking we might do like a run of 54 and we'll number them, you know, 2024 one through 54 and do something fun. We'll give a couple away. We'll sell a bunch and just we'll do something fun with it because I think that's, that's our style and that's the style they want we probably could just mass produce them and sell, you know, a shit ton of them, but that's not the way Johnny Dadson works. So that's not what I would want to do with it. And truth be told. Yeah. Part of me is like, I don't want anybody to have one because I just want (laughs) to have them myself. But that's again, that's self-serving it. It's if we want to help people, we have to try and get them out there. So it's, it is about sharing a little bit while we're trying to do that. But I do think there's something in that exclusivity that keeps, you know, musky anglers chasing whatever that next bait is, whether it's a a custom bait from, you know, whoever, it's just, if you can have something that other people don't have, that's why we have man caves like I have, because you just, you got to have that bait. So is there like a certain liquor Johnny likes to drink or anything
1: that (laughs) could get us into his good graces that we could maybe send him, or maybe you yourself? You got a few to sell. I mean, is there any way we could get our names at the top of the list? Is kind of what I'm trying to get
0: at here. So I'll get your guys' <laughs> names on the list. I'm not sure where they'll fall. Yeah. Hey, That's you'll nice. be on the list. Yeah. All we're asking for yeah, is a chance. List. All yeah. we're asking just for is a chance. Give me a chance. A chance. <laughs> yeah. A nice
1: bottle of whiskey shows up at your door and somehow our names get brought up. You know, in the <laughs> top 20 or something. Yeah, it is what it is. No, I'm just, I'm just messing. I, uh, we, when we had Vavrock on our podcast, he was talking about it and, you know, I I had known about it. God, I know Gus had known about it and Brian too. And, but he like really, you know, kind of solidified everything. It was kind of cool to hear. And, um, we, we had a bucktail this year that crushed for us too that Gus actually built himself. And Greg Thomas actually named it the Dolly Parton, big blade, small skirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and that was, that, so was that one was responsible for some, some pretty nice fish this year. So, yeah, I mean, I, when you said it's it's you know oh people are saying it's just another bucktail i don't know man i think there's when you find ones that really work they they can definitely separate themselves from the pack
0: and they do and that's that's like any any bait we had you know a couple tubes this year and i make my own tube rigs like a lot of guys that are you know right into tubes do and they just crushed i mean I got a couple tube rigs that got probably 20, 30 fish on them and you just keep sliding new tubes on them and and they just work. And again, it's, it's finding that balance on how you like to run them, whether, you know, it's a bucktail and it runs perfectly straight, how you like, it's got the grind. If it's a tube, it's got that erratic motion. If it's a Medusa that you got just the perfect bend on and it just hops the way you, you like it. We all have those, you know, confidence lures and that's, that's why you sometimes have to go through hundreds of lures to get to those ones. And people have asked me, why don't you just build your own stuff? And I'm just like, because I just don't have the patience for it. And the time I'm just too busy. And if I can get the best stuff from the best builders, I'll just go that route because that's just easier for me. And it takes a lot of that learning curve out of, out of building. So I commend you guys for building your own baits because I've dabbled in it in the garage. I've built a few bucktails and done some stuff and then we go run them. And I was like, Oh, this is trash. So <laughs> it just ends up being art for something else, but it, it can be, you know, it, it can be fun. And it I appreciate that side because at, at heart, I'm an artist. I want to do, you know, make stuff. And I think that's why the YouTube kind of fell into it for us because it, it is a form of art as well.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And with that, like that bucktail, I mean, it's not like I made that one and it immediately was amazing. I think I, I made prior to us going to vermilion for the PMTT, I made like 12 bucktails or something like that, just giant bucktails. And I'm like, I don't know. They like big bucktails over there in Minnesota. And I just threw one after another. I think I was fishing with uh, dad that day and, and I was just messing around and I'm like, these all look great. And I'm like, I hope I hope they work. And, you know, the, the one, the first fish that that bucktail uh, caught something on was Max's in the PMTT of 48 and three quarters. And, and I'm like, well, I, I think we got something cause it raised a fish earlier in there. And, and uh, yeah, but, but yeah, that's, that's really cool what you're doing with the YouTube. We uh we really enjoy it. We really appreciate it. And uh we also really appreciate your time tonight. I know you have to get up, really early and we don't want to hold you too late, even though I think we could probably talk for way too long. We're definitely going to have to have you back on. I kind of just figured that right from like when we started the first conversation, all the things that were going through my mind, I'm like, we're not going to get through everything at all. We (laughs) we already skipped through so many things that I was going (laughs) to ask about Canadian fishing, baits, mods, this and that, and yeah. and I know, I know you're very humble, but you, you are full of, of, uh, riches and, and just info on the industry. So, and and we appreciate the content that you put out. So thank you very much.
0: Oh, I totally appreciate it. And we've accumulated a lot of knowledge from fishing with a lot of really great people up here. I've fished with, you know, a lot of the locals and I've, fish with pete Main. i fished with jeremy smith and you know that's not just name dropping That's stuff that we've done we film some you know shows with those guys and it was cool for them to ask us to fish with them and you learn stuff with everybody you're out with i fished with greg thomas on lake of the woods and i love fishing with with anybody and whether they're a brand new fisherman or you know a seasoned professional you're gonna learn and if you can share that that that's a benefit to everybody. And it, I just think that trying to be humble and, you know, be responsible in the sport is going to help, you know, go a long way for all of us. It's, it's real easy to just sit on social media and, and do grip and grins all the time. And yeah, those are fun. We do some of those, but, I posted a picture the other day of, you know, one of those half underwater, half above water shots. I love that kind of cool. Again, it's that artsy stuff that it's just something different and it's trying to show a different side of, you know, the musky world. And it, for us, it's all about just, you know, being ourselves and having fun. And I think what you guys are doing with the podcast, you can see that it it's real and it's fun and you guys enjoy it. And I just think that that kind of stuff's going to just keep rising to the top and, yeah, let's revisit this sometime in the spring before we get going on our season up here and maybe we can talk some, you know, some strategies for Canada then.
1: Sure. Yeah. We would love to definitely do that. So we'll definitely be back in touch. So again, Glenn, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully your winter isn't too bad. I'm hoping ours isn't too harsh on us.
0: Well, hopefully not right now. We're kind of into that looking forward to trout season which starts january 1st for lake trout that's kind of the next big season for everybody up here so we'll be out we got some plans to do some cool filming for that and we'll you know we'll throw a few videos up over the course of the winter of some of our you know a little bit of excursions out in the backwoods up here in canada which i think will be fun and kind of passes our winters a little bit too and For any of the listeners that are in the, around the Minnesota show, Dave and I'll definitely be down there in March. So, you know, feel free to come up, say hello. And we appreciate that. And if we happen to see one of you guys at one of the shows, that would be great as well. Absolutely.
1: Well, I'll for sure be at the Minnesota one. And I think Gus will be too. So hope Mm -hmm. to, hope to run into you there or buy you a beer for coming on tonight. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. Let's make some plans to at least hook up there. For at least a few minutes and uh, we'll kind of touch base and make some plans for another meeting here but no i truly appreciate it guys and it like i say it's just it's great to just keep sharing this kind of stuff with the the listeners i know i talked to so many of them and they appreciate stuff that you guys do and the stuff that we do awesome right on man well thank you very much for coming on really appreciate it
2: well thanks glenn appreciate it
0: have a good night
1: fellas All right, guys. Well, that was a fantastic interview with Glenn McDonald. We, we cannot thank him enough for coming on and chopping it up with us fellas. Let's do a little roundtable discussion, shall we? Brian, what'd you take away from the interview?
2: Well, many things, but one thing uh, would be that he had a lot of success on a suic, some a tr- bait that's not traditionally used up there. You hear a lot about bucktails and bulldogs, medusas being thrown, but... He's kind of experimented with all sorts of baits. If you look at his Instagram, he's got every one that's ever been built, it seems. So, kind of makes me excited to bring a box of our stuff that works in the Northwoods, Wisconsin, and see what success we have with it up there. Gus, how about you?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree there with all the baits. He uses like just so, so many lures. It's crazy because uh, I'm with you there. It seems like everyone who goes there to catches. This- fish on bucktails and that's about it but i guess usually we i always talk to some people who go there during bucktail season but um i'd say a big takeaway is kind of hearing about his success on fishing canadian waters differently like he was just talking about pulling off a structure a little bit like uh not doing the thing where if there's a milk jug on a reef you cast to the milk jug like they'll cast off of it first because i mean I know technology has changed but it just seems like they're kind of they're hitting spots with a little bit more technical approaches and uh i definitely can kind of relate to that i definitely try and do that up here and then i also struggle a few times where i just go right into a spot and just jam the boat in and maybe part of the times where uh we're sitting over the fish and And that's no bueno. So that was a good thing to kind of hear about. And I'm kind of excited to, to bring that into how I work the boat this next coming season and, and work spots a little differently that maybe we've worked a thousand times, say it's on our home waters, the same spot we pull up into the same area and do it the same and just got to try it a little differently. I think that might be the, might be the ticket on certain days. So, uh, Max, what'd you, what'd you take away from this interview? I had a handful of takeaways. I think, uh, first and foremost, pretty crazy to hear about his time being in a rock band and lighting up some local bars up there. That was a, that was definitely a curveball. I didn't, wasn't expecting that. So that was really cool to hear about that. You know, you take so much time to dedicate it towards musky fishing. It's good to hear, you know, other people's hobbies every once in a while. Um, so that was just, uh, you know made elevated the coolness even more in my book thought that was sweet. And then uh, I know we were kind of joking around, but honestly appreciated his, his tips on, you know, some American etiquette heading up to Canada and crossing the border. Um, you know, always I was good to get a little bit of a refresher on there, uh, you know, cause I think, I think it's, it's almost inevitable at this point that we're going to be trying hard to do a trip up to Canada Next year, you know, summer gets really crazy with your guiding schedule and, you know, Brian and I's work schedule plus, you know, fishing these tournaments now. So we're going to definitely do our best, I feel like. It would be definitely a really fun trip. And, you know, might as well, uh, you know, give it a whirl now that we got some people up there that, you know, could probably help us out a little bit, maybe steer us in the right direction. I don't know, you know, if we did a trip up there for – four or five days of fishing you think we would just i guess bring the own our own boat and just give it a spin right from day one or how do you how do you guys think we would approach that trip
2: I, i would like to do that i think it'd be fun to tackle it on our own obviously there's a lot of obstacles within the lake and not slamming that puppy up onto a big reef but uh i don't know i always felt like the way to do it would be if you have let's just say four or five full days of fishing your first day, you get out with a guide, kind of learn the ins and outs, you know, general way of the lake. And then your next three, four five days, you're out on your own, learning new spots, you know, developing your own strategies. So, I don't know. I guess it depends where you stay and all that, too, and what part of the lake you're on. But um, what, la- what
1: lake you're on, yeah, generally. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, it's not like we got just because just it's our first time in Canada, we got to go to Lake of the Woods or Eagle I mean, it sounds like there's, yeah, there's like there's uh Wabagoon, Cedar. Cedar sounds like a lot of options up there that often probably get overlooked by uh, many anglers, but yeah, I don't know. I guess the the one thing for sure, I'd always want to be watching for are those rocks, the dangerous rocks. Cause it sounds like lakes, like Lake of the woods, uh, different height. I know they had that crazy, I don't know if that was this spring, like that large runoff and the previous spring it was maybe. I think I remember seeing stuff on had the f- media. like the the flooding up in Lake of the Woods. Yeah, you know, stuff like that can make it a little sketchy for a first timer going in with just like one lake chip and and you know, potentially running into an island, a submerged island or something like that. But no, I think we'd have enough con contacts to
2: make sure that we don't run in run into a shore. But, uh, Yeah. hopefully you're, you're staying at a spot on the lake where like, you don't need to burn across, you know, a large sum of the lake to get to your spots. And hopefully you can just kind of putt, putt from spot to spot and not <clears> on your <throat> boat.
1: Yeah. But... Well, we got tips from the, the guru guru as well, where like, once you get out of base camp, you almost have like a certain line you take every single day. And it probably grows for, for when you go to spots further away from camp, but you almost have like that main highway passage where you always take mm-hmm. that and then you branch off of it left and right. And, uh, I mean, I think as long as you don't pull the old phone out and pull a Greg Thomas and put that baby on a, on an Island, I think we'll be, <laughs> be all right. I don't know if you guys remember listening to that in one of Greg's latest podcasts. That was pretty funny
2: to listen did to. He have yeah. to. Did he have to get out and push it off or did it just scratch up the boat?
1: I don't know how much detail he put into that. <laughs> yeah that's uh no it would be a really fun trip though um you know i think it's i think it's something that's definitely on our radar for next year so we'll see if we can we can make that happen all right well let's uh maybe just chat on kind of what uh what's going on now i mean we got uh we got ice on most lakes it looks like gus up there i know the weather has Mm -hmm. been very unseasonably warm so i know some of the big lakes still from what it sounds like people aren't venturing out too far on Mm -hmm. looks like the forecast coming ahead here doesn't look any better to make make any more ice or uh really just kind of hoping at this point we're not losing a bunch or making things sketchy that don't need to be sketchy but i'm looking to get up there and like i said in the intro you know bending the rod a little bit catching some panfish so hopefully we're able to to make that happen yeah, I don't think we're going to have any issues on like amount of ice on the lakes that we want to go to as long as we do keep it small. There's definitely large lakes that are going to be sketchy even as of uh Christmas cuz it's warming up again and we just got snow a little bit uh this week and it's bef- before this warm up and I don't know, it depends on how much rain we get. If it, if it doesn't rain, we'll probably hold off on it and we'll have you know, a semi white Christmas, if it rains a bunch and stays at that 40 degree range for those two days, maybe like it says, uh, it could get ugly again and muddy and kind of just gross. I think mostly it just sucks. Cause there's not enough snow to make snowmobile travel accessible, you know? Yeah. So, so just get right. going out ice fishing, we're going to have to do a lot of walking and, uh, <laughs> yeah so There's that's not, good nothing be. like the the rude awakening of ice fishing when you're hauling like hundreds of pounds of gear on your back oh and yeah it's it <laughs> tough i mean i like i think still at as of this point i've only been out once and and that day we fished two lakes i don't remember if i said on the last podcast but each lake had a hill up and down where we parked the car to get on the lake and oh. when we're done with each one i i'm hauling up that big sled with the with the shanty, the auger, the, the full bait bucket, all the, you know, the tip ups and rods that I brought and man, that's freaking tough. That was a rude awakening on the old legs. (laughs) You know, I think I'm getting both ways. Yeah. I've been getting all that, you know, those reps in this year of hucking big lures, but I didn't really do too much with the old legs for, uh, (laughs) for working out. And I felt that one pretty good. And the old thighs and (laughs) cardio, Yeah, coming up to bite you a little bit just a little bit but yeah i don't know that's that's about all i got for an ice ice report here from a guy who doesn't really ice fish a whole ton i'm sure we'll chat a little bit about it more in the in the coming weeks maybe you know when after you and i get out max and then obviously we'll chit chat about our our little ice fishing bender weekend in february that we're gonna have and possibly one more here yeah yeah um Sounds good yeah i think that's about it for the weekly report i just want to again thank glenn for coming on that was uh that was a great talk we had and he's a uh, just an overall great guy i mean it you could expect nothing less from a canadian for sure he's <laughs> super polite <laughs> very humble and uh just overall great to talk to he
2: Yeah, I'd love to be able to get him on if we finally get like our trip planned and we got the dates. I'd love to get him on the pod before that and kind of dive deeper into Canada. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. hopefully be kind enough to just chat with us on the phone. You know, if it's not on the pod and show us the ways where to go, what to do, Mm -hmm. how to treat you old Canadians.
1: Yeah, sounds like you can light it up there and just as fast as you can light it up. I've heard some horror stories from people making the travels up there and going, you know, Oh, you know, Oh, for whatever and stuff on seven
2: days of fishing. And it's like, Oh, you know, we're not going to talk about that. I'm, I'm not expecting to go there and catch fish. I'm just there to take in the sights. That's all we go there for.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Set the bar real low on Canada. <laughs> There's no other reason we want to, you know, leave Northern Wisconsin just to go see some other sites just want to see some boulders along the shoreline. That's it.
1: No, we don't want just an average of forty-two to forty-eight inch fish all the time or anything. No,
2: no, no. <laughs> um. Oh boy.
1: So before going ahead on stuff, anybody got anything else to add? Anybody do anything uh, crazy over the holidays here?
2: Uh, well, I guess once this drops, um, the next day on Friday, I will be down in Florida. Uh, near everglades city doing some fly fishing maybe a little conventional fishing with my dad getting out with captain daryl down there uh gus and i got oh, out yeah. with him what three years ago or so
1: yeah he put me well, on my biggest back in college yeah biggest snook on the fly
2: yeah, yeah that, that was, was pretty, pretty cool wild catch <laughs> yeah that was nuts so you yeah, uh, you sight fishing him down there that's the goal yeah we uh we're actually gonna fish in the afternoon because the tide will be better um to sight fish them so sweet. we'll see it's always kind of hit or miss depending on the tide and you know, obviously the wind it's been really windy down there with cold temps so hopefully the wind kind of holds off for us but um we'll see either way what's, i'm sure we'll find some what's the targeted species reds and snook he said we can look for some juvenile tarpon and stuff so that'd be pretty sweet <laughs>
1: yeah yeah nice
2: awesome yeah you're gonna you're gonna go full influence there get in the water hold up the fish put the fly rod in your mouth i I think i don't know if gus was with me when we asked him about that but he said like especially during prime tarpon season he doesn't let anybody do that because the sharks are just like going rampant around there yeah no thank you
1: i wouldn't want to i know they do that with like bonefish and permit and and stuff i guess yeah i mean yeah. since tar- it, uh, tarpon you have to water release unless they're a certain size Yeah, if it's and, a juvenile it's you a can bring a one. boat yeah that's right that's right <sighs> Dude, i just don't I know would, the
2: size limit but
1: i don't know how those people go up like <laughs> chest deep and that those that water and take those pictures like gus i mean catching those kudas down in uh uh where were we yeah, at we? yeah key west area yeah um watching how those those sharks acted in two and a half three feet of water when they <laughs> saw a cuda hooked gave me enough yeah. reason to never step foot and it wasn't just had, one you know, that backwaters.
0: was backwater. when you're when <laughs> you like, got uh
1: i know i was just about to say when yours got bit it wasn't just one one got it and there was like i think there's more than three surrounding us Oh, do you remember happened. when they pinned us into the island and you remember that like how the cuda made a run to the mangroves and we had to like beach the boat and the cuda was on i couldn't get him in and the sharks were like trying to get oh up yeah. into like a half a foot of water they were literally like pinning <laughs> him in and the guide was yeah. like flooring the motor in reverse and i'm like <laughs> fighting this fish and it was just pure fun. chaos it was it was uh, a lot of fun because <laughs> like i mean barracuda fishing was it's not musky fishing but it's It's kind of close where you're, you know, retrieving baits super fast or whatever and getting these crazy strikes and, and then the the power of the fish is so crazy, but like you have to horse them in because those chances of a shark coming in hot is like so good. I mean, I had the biggest fish of that whole trip on and it came in just completely bit in half. It was like a 55, Mm -hmm. 60 inch Barracuda. I think it was an estimated uh, 60. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we that got that. Great. I mean, I reeled in the head, and the head was significantly larger than, you know, all the ones we had caught. So it was just like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> a thirty-six incher from like the middle of the body to the to the mouth. And... It was a big fish. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that a shark took that thing down that easily. And it wasn't even that much no bait's that too big of a shark. Yeah. Yeah, no bait's <laughs> too big. Saltwater fishing's just. It's so much fun, such a good break from doing the type of shit that we do, you know, during the yeah during yeah. the winter and like knowing that you're gonna go down there and have you're at a few, least gonna uh, see
2: them. Yeah, <laughs> you're not just gonna be out there for twelve
1: hours and not see a sign of life. <laughs> yeah. just grinding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and those saltwater fish, man, they just got a different power to them. Yeah. <clears throat> so that'll be fun. You'll have to keep us up to date on how that all goes down there
2: yeah for sure hopefully i got something to post about by day's end we'll see
1: yeah do a little something for the uh the mod page that just hit 1k not a big deal shout out not a big deal shout out everybody that follows the Mott page thank you all that's what oh, we've been got to a thou we've been quiet lately on that we gotta step our game up i know uh we got some stuff in the works i'll probably download some stuff gus while i'm up north and maybe do mm-hmm. a little bit of editing yeah yeah, do a little little file transfers uh get out the old terabyte or two or whatever i got here disc and start looking at some footage here and uh yeah put some stuff out there for everybody to watch i was uh i was going back through pictures from this summer looking at all the different fish like any normal 29 year old guy does in his spare time and uh, I uh, I stumbled across a few pictures and I was like, What, like, when did that fish get caught? Like, I don't even remember <laughs> that one. And uh, the problem is, I, have, I guess, funny. yeah, no, I mean, it was great, it was just kind of funny because, like, uh, you know, we we uh were just bouncing around to so many different lakes and places this year, and it was such a fun summer that like also I'd stumble across a picture of a fish, it would take, I'd always remember eventually, but it would kind of take me a second, like, Wait, what. When was that? So yeah. that was kind of funny. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. That's I, good got, a, stuff. I got a lot of our B roll failures still in my camera, <laughs> roll, just like minutes and minutes of video. So there we go. Keep, keep,
1: keep, hold on yeah. To
2: this. yeah, get a blooper <laughs> B roll uh
1: edit going to go on Instagram. Yeah. I think the people would love that. That would be pretty funny. Might have C- to. A couple of gritties, a couple uh football catches. hmm <laughs> i don't know what else <laughs> who knows what's what's in there i mean there's one in there from the uh the fall bender weekend i took a screenshot from a part of it where i'm like "Where i got my hand out like this asking for those gardettos oh remember? yeah
2: yeah it could just be a b-roll about snacking and the bite slow Nah, nah we, we don't, do that. <laughs> we don't do that. surprisingly I have a lot of b-roll that I must eat a lot i don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Well, yeah. Should we get into a few uh, housekeeping podcast items? Yeah. So with the merch, we got some hoodies still left over. Uh, Not too many. Uh, There's a few sizes that are out of stock, but you can do some back ordering on that. You can still purchase them. And I do plan on in the future, in the near future, ordering some more and getting some different sizes as well. Uh, I know in the first original order, the smallest size we got were mediums. And there's a few people asking about smalls. So that's definitely in the works. Also, there's a good amount of glasses left as well. If you want to uh, have some muskies on tap, pint glasses. So with that, you can find uh, that merch on my guide webpage, which is www.suggsfishing.com, which has the, all, all the info on my uh, guide service as well and uh and we kind of already talked about the muskies on tap hitting 1k for instagram thank you all for that but you can find us on instagram at muskies on tap and my guide service at sugs fishing and uh same with facebook add me as a friend gus Manti, or my guide page which is sugs fishing guide service and if you want to get in touch with me with me directly as well any any dm on either the socials works or my phone number which is 920-264-3816 and yeah i think we just plan on getting out some uh some videos here shortly for you guys to watch get some content out as we we're talking about and I, I think that's it so you guys got anything else to add I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Good New Year. I don't know if you touched on the fact that we won't be recording or putting out a podcast next week. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. I don't think we're going to be able to. Um, we weren't able to get a guest on well in advance enough. And uh, I think I think it'll be too late. We'll have one after the New Year's right away for sure. But uh, this will be i think the last one of 2023 which is actually crazy to think about damn birth year year. muskies on tap that's crazy man all from uh first pod and now while we're at 35 34 this is the 34th yeah episode 34 which is pretty crazy who'd have thunk we would have made even 34 (laughs) i yeah i don't know (laughs) <laughs> i didn't really think so because you know if it didn't take off or anything it's just going to be a week or le- weekly report and we we're probably going to end it by the end of the season but a lot a lot happened in the meantime we had a lot of guests on and and plan to get a bunch more on as well so that, that's that's pretty cool I definitely want to thank you guys couldn't wouldn't have done it without you for sure i there's no chance this thing was sustainable without people you know, listening and reaching out to us and kind of encouraging us to keep up, keep it up, or, you know, saying that they're listening. That was always just really cool to hear that. Cause yeah, when we started, I don't know what we didn't really have much for expectations, but it's definitely gotten to a point where I think we've enjoyed it, you know, a lot. And the fact that people do tune in and listen is uh, all the motivation to keep it, keep it rolling. So, yeah, say so, uh overall twenty twenty three was a was a great success. It was a lot of fun, a lot of really good memories.
2: Yeah, I agree. Really enjoyed the ride, met a lot of really great people. Um, a lot of people that hopefully the timing's right and I'll be able to get out with you guys and fish with them. Um, but yeah, obviously a lot more people in the industry looking to get on in this next year. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of the big takeaway and like we talked about a lot of people in the pause just meeting everybody in the industry and so many great people out there to converse without musky and everything else so it's been an awesome time
1: yeah i definitely agree you know despite some of the the negativity that they that you know people can talk about in the musky industry we're we're seeing some pretty cool people we're getting to talk to some pretty cool people and we're meeting a lot of like really awesome people in this industry and i and uh, I'm I'm gonna hold dear all the friendships that we made this year and and carry them on next year. It's and uh, definitely hope to run into a lot of the listeners or some of the people that we had the podcast over the winter, uh, going to a couple of the shows. So I really look forward to that. And and if you see one of us, you know Max, Brian, or myself walking around one of the expos, don't be afraid to come say hey we'll probably be rocking a a mod hoodie and whatnot with us as well. And uh, we would love to love to come and chat with you guys. So, so with that, yeah, we appreciate everybody listening in on this year. This uh, unless something magical happens and we put out like a, a 10 minute podcast or something to make the weekly pod continuous through this year, this will be the last one of 2023. So thank you all for listening for whoever made it this long in this podcast (laughs) because you're all the rambling yeah it's like all right done with the glenn mcdonald interview and we're out probably
2: happens to a good (laughs) amount of people so shout out to the beers who stayed
1: yeah maybe we got to put like a different uh like a oh never mind that'd be i said maybe maybe put like an outro something for people to like an outro uh maybe not another quote per se because I know that we've had some people reaching out about that, how funny that is and random that is. The fact that that's still kind of going on with the usually unrelated quote, sometimes related. If you can find the relation, we appreciate you that you were <laughs> digging hard enough to see that, that. uh that us looking up just some random quote from Ricky Bobby's adventures from Talladega Nights. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We could we could just see who our <laughs> true real listeners are and do a giveaway at the end of the pod and right at the very end we say a little secret something. and if they DM us back the answer, bam giveaway. Put some people in the drawing right here. Should we? Uh, I think we should we'll do for
0: a giveaway.
1: I should give yeah. away a mott glass, a mott pint glass. Yeah, maybe so we'll to maybe a listener. A pair of them.
2: A little stocking stuffer.
1: Ooh yeah. So let's uh. I want to spitball okay, here right, on I'll, the spot. On... Yeah, let's, I, I got an idea off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, for all the <clears throat> listeners that are still with us. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> if you DM us a movie quote and we use it for the next podcast, that'll be the winner of the pint glass. Yes. So whatever movie quote we think's the funniest. Some. Yeah. We'll some sort of quote
2: and... that. Oh, sorry. Like a clip. Yeah, like yeah like, I was gonna say it's, like a YouTube link. Yeah, just send clip. us the
1: YouTube link of the clip, and if mm-hmm. it's like in a you know four or five minute video, because sometimes they're like that. If it's a full scene, just tell us you know the seconds or whatever that we yeah. should use. Gu- Gus, how long? How long typically are the clips? Um, I mean, they can be short. You know, you can have like a like a one liner maybe to just kind of zing right into the beat drop. But typically, I'm looking for like ten to 45 seconds i think we've had them up to like a minute ish we'll cap it at 60 seconds
2: probably yeah okay yeah. if you're gonna send us a 60 second clip it better be a banger of all time mm-hmm.
1: Jeez. <laughs> you just don't want to go do the work go through the go through the videos <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> All right, yeah, you can just either DM us on – that was a good little good little giveaway on the spot there, boys.
2: <laughs> yeah. Ourselves
1: on the back there, that was nice. Who's ever yep. willing
2: to listen to us this far? They, they got to deserve something. <laughs> oh, that. yeah. Shout out
1: wow. to those people. Uh, You can either DM us the link on Instagram on the MOP page – Uh, You can text me at 920-205-9192 as well. That's Max's cell phone. Yep, yep. Anybody from Matt will take it in. Yeah. Or Gus's cell phone too. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah. Brian only gives out those those digits to a certain select few.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can give out my digits. (laughs) Somebody really wants to hit the third number option. (laughs) (laughs)
1: happens all too often for you doesn't it bud nah 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 nah. you speaking crazy <laughs> <laughs> all right all right <laughs> yeah all right yeah i think we can wrap this one up
2: so uh uh brian you want to take it away All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Make sure to get those YouTube video submissions into Max or Gus or Mott page. If they are set at the Mott page, I will be the main critic on that one. So choose wisely who you send it to. Everybody have a very happy Holly. Merry Christmas and New Year's. We will catch you guys after the break. Uh, Good luck to all the people ice fishing over the holidays. Stay safe out there. It's a little bit dicey. Shout out, Glenn McDonald. Shout out. Shout Shout out. out. And what else we got? Who, hey, well, real quick, who do you guys got? Uh, one of the college football playoff coming up on New Year's. <laughs> oh, I'm rolled tide.